Welcome to the Clinical Podcast Series brought to you by the American Academy of Optometry Foundation. The topic for today's episode is... Does non-strabismic amblyopia affect the quality of life of adults? Findings from a qualitative study. I'd like to thank our host, Dr. April Jasper, and our topical expert, Dr. Heather Anderson, as well as our topical editor, Dr. Maureen Plowman. And now over to Dr. Jasper. Hi, everyone. I'm April Jasper, and I'm speaking today with Heather Anderson, an associate professor at The Ohio State University College of Optometry. Heather completed both her OD and PhD training at the University of Houston and is a fellow of the American Academy of Optometry. Today, she will be discussing the August 2021 ophthalmic and physiological optics paper entitled, Does Non-Strabismic Amblyopia Affect the Quality of Life of Adults? Findings from a Qualitative Study by Kumarin et al. All right. So Heather, we've talked a few times before. It's going to be wonderful to hear your thoughts on this study as well, but go ahead and for the people that are just tuning in and just hearing us for the first time, tell them a little bit about you. Sure. So as you said, I'm an associate professor at the Ohio State University College of Optometry. I also chair the graduate program in vision science here. And I do my own independent research, primarily in pediatric vision topics. I study accommodation, and I also work with special populations such as those who have Down syndrome. So this study, it looks like, again, it says, does non-strabismic amblyopia affect the quality of life of adults? So let's talk a little bit more about the qualitative nature of this study and what the authors really set out to accomplish with their study. Sure. So the authors of this study were really interested in a specific group of people. And as you said from the title, individuals who have amblyopia in one eye, but it's not from strabismus. And the reason they were interested in this group of patients is because people who don't have strabismus, but have amblyopia, have a condition that can't be seen by those around them. And so unless they tell somebody that they have that condition, no one's going to know. And the bias was that if nobody else can see it, then maybe it's not going to impact your quality of life as much as somebody who has strabismic amblyopia where they might have cosmetic concerns about their strabismus, for example. And so that was one of their major goals was to understand the lived experiences of patients who have monocular amblyopia without strabismus. Now, qualitative, is a word to describe the method that they use to go about getting this information. So instead of using surveys with pre-existing questions where they tally up patient responses to see how a condition impacts a group of people, they were actually conducting phone interviews and they did have some prompts, kind of like a case history where you ask the person when they were diagnosed, if they ever had treatments, but also asking them, how does this affect your daily life? Have you had any challenges because of your condition? And really, again, trying to get at the lived experiences of these individuals so that we can better understand how this condition affects somebody's quality of life. Wow, that's brilliant. And I love the concept. It must have been so interesting to be a part of this study. So tell me, what were the major themes that emerged from the interviews that the authors conducted? Sure. 
So they conducted interviews with 16 adults who had monocular amblyopia, and the amblyopia ranged from 2030 to 2200. And although they were all adults now, some of them had received their diagnosis when they were a young child. One group of them had received their diagnosis as a teenager, and some of them had not found out about their diagnosis until they were an adult. And so it was really interesting to see the themes that emerged from these interviews. And certainly they did talk about visual and ocular outcomes, things that we would expect like issues with depth perception, Uh, but there were some things that were a little unexpected. So reports of glare or light sensitivity, generalized headaches, even watery eyes. So some of those things came out, but I think what was even more compelling is the way that the condition was impacting their entire life. And so there were a lot of reports of grief over their situation, especially for those who didn't find out about their condition until they were an adult. They even had grief over the fact that their parents didn't help sleuth out this condition at the age where it's more successfully treated. And now recognizing that they have a condition that is not well treated as an adult. And then those who had had a diagnosis as a child were feeling grief that they weren't compliant with the treatments that were offered to them and maybe didn't realize the significance of the situation at a time when they were young and feel like they now missed out on that opportunity to have a better situation. And there were a lot of concerns over only having one good seeing eye and what happens if something happens to that eye, is that eye going to also get a condition where it's not seeing as well? And then there were points made about activity limitations, such as difficulty, precisely judging distances with driving, some issues with mobility, such as navigating stairs, and then even economic and career implications where certain careers just weren't pursued because of vision limitations. Wow. So what would you say the key messages from this paper were that really can help us improve patient care? So I think overall, this points that we really need to be having greater conversations with our patients to manage their care holistically. And so thinking about the whole person and how this affects their life beyond a visual acuity, especially these individuals, we might think, well, their binocular acuity is good. And so they're able to function the way that they need to, but really this condition is affecting them in ways that maybe we weren't giving credit for. So how do you think this study impacts future research? I'm certain that hearing what they have found out in this, there is some thought as to what comes next. So I think certainly this study underscores the importance of continuing to conduct research to try to seek treatments for later treatment of amblyopia. Certainly those who are not discovered earlier on and miss out on that treatment during the sweet period If we can come up with treatments that are more effective at later stages in life, that would be really impactful for these patients and perhaps working more to identify these children when it is optimal to treat their condition. Absolutely. Heather, thank you so much. I absolutely love learning from you. Thank you. And a special thanks to Cooper Vision for their educational grant to make it all happen.